Raising Your Antenna is live today from beautiful Salt Lake City, a city that is ringed by the Wasatch Mountains to the east and north, the Ochre Mountains to the west, and of course, home to the inspiring Mormon Tabernacle and host to this year's Solar Power International, where we are taping live. Our topic today is Distributed Energy Resources, DER, specifically Distributed on-site clean energy systems. The lore of these systems is that they are decentralized, modular efficient, clean, and located closer to the load they serve, thereby cutting down distribution and delivery costs. But this decentralized solar trend is part of a bigger one that we are all experiencing in our daily lives. My firm, Antenna Group, has four primary practice areas, energy technology, mobility technology, real estate technology, and health technology. And the common denominator between the four of them is the inexorable momentum towards technologies that empower consumers to make decisions without an intermediary institution making it for them. So how is this accomplished? Well, with accessible and actionable data that's captured by sensor-powered IoT devices, Internet of Things devices, and the democratization and accessibility of that data that enables all of us to make better decisions. While the terms today may be industry specific, for these four industries, the insiders call them smart homes, smart cities, smart transportation, smart energy or distributed energy, and smart health or connected health. They all empower us to make decisions that fit our lifestyle and economic realities. Today on Raising Your Antenna, we are lucky to have one of the visionaries of the distributed energy movement, Dan Nordlau, General Manager of Decentric, a newly formed division of Faith Technologies. Dan will share his expertise with us about the DER revolution, both the opportunities and challenges, how it's going to force utilities to change their business model, and how battery technology is both the next frontier in wider spread DR adoption and how it will enable all of us to reap the rewards and benefits of distributed energy. Back with Dan in a sec. You're listening to Raising Your Antenna with host Keith Sackheim. In a Raising Your Antenna first, we are live from SPI today in Salt Lake City. Beautiful Salt Lake City, by the way. First, I want to thank Jim Spano and Radiant Reet, who happen to be Antenna Group clients, for sponsoring the SPI Podcast Center. Today's guest on Raising Your Antenna is Dan Nordlow. Dan, welcome aboard. Glad to be here. Appreciate the opportunity. Dan, you've had a fascinating career that, like most of us, has meandered and taken some unexpected turns along the way. Would you mind sharing your background with our listeners? Yeah, of course. Um, Actually, I grew up in the northern Kentucky, greater Cincinnati area, and uh, did, a, did an undergrad in behavioral sciences and went directly into business. And there was a, a gentleman back in the day in the plastics business that gave me an opportunity to learn how to sell plastic. And that's what I did right out of the gate. And fell in love with business, fell in love with helping people solve problems, uh, did a short stint there, and subsequently had an opportunity to move into a number of different types of organizations typically technology. So moved to polymer compounding, voice analytics, 
um, enterprise content management, and most recently, for the past 11 years or so, energy. And the common denominator or thread is oftentimes some disruptive technology or business models became part and parcel with what we were looking to execute. And I always had really great leaders, managers that gave me an opportunity to go out a little bit uh, further and explore some things that maybe weren't readily apparent in terms of next level success and execute that to help organizations really evolve to their what's next. Fantastic. And it's energy that brings us here today in beautiful Salt Lake. So so let, let's dive into it. And, um, you know, Dan, our listeners hail from a number of different B2B technology industries, and some of them may be less familiar with DER than others. So I want to walk them through some of the background around DER, which, first of all, stands for Distributed Energy Resources. So I'll begin, give a little introduction, and then obviously you'll, you'll fill in, uh, you know, uh, from your purview. A DER is electrical generation and storage performed by a variety of small grid-connected or distribution system-connected devices. So basically, as opposed to conventional power stations, and uh, conventional power stations are the vistas for those of us who regularly traverse the New Jersey Turnpike. Those are the smokestacks. Such as coal-fired, gas, and nuclear-powered plants, as well as hydroelectric dams and large-scale solar power stations which are centralized and offer require electric energy to be transmitted over long distances. DER systems are decentralized, modular, and more flexible technologies that are located closer to the loads they serve, albeit usually smaller loads. And these systems can comprise multiple generation and storage components, although usually, and today we'll discuss more around renewable energy sources. So Dan, Faith Technologies a company that has been around for more than 40 years and last I checked was doing more than <clears throat> excuse me, $500 million in revenues and bills itself as an energy expert and national leader in electrical planning, engineering, design, and installation. So my question is a simple one. Why are they looking to enter the DER market? Sure. So a little bit about Faith Technologies. They're rapidly growing. I mean, they've grown up as an electrical contractor in the Midwest. Um, that is the core of, of what they've done for years, although I will say um, that has begun to look a little bit different over the last five to seven years. Right now, they're almost a billion in revenue. So the 600 million is, is, is they blew by that some time ago. So a billion in revenue. Even right, better. It, it is. It, it, it's really a pretty remarkable story yeah. and from a company in, in Wisconsin that pretty much flies below the radar a little bit. So they do bring a lot of expertise in electrical contracting, and they fully realize that with some of their client base, which are you know some of the Fortune 100s and data center, food processing, et cetera, their customers have asked them to play more of a role in their future of electricity, if you will. So, in getting to know some of the leadership at Faith Technologies, which you know they, they operate some different divisions, which we'll talk about, we definitely share the vision around distributed energy and how distributed energy really is going to create the future of electricity to allow the off-takers, maybe some more flexibility, energy independence, if you will, and also really offer the utilities an opportunity to leverage these distributed assets so that distributed energy can, can be good for everyone. And yeah. that technolo technology exists today to, to really make that happen. So we, we established Decentric, um, a division of Faith Technologies. If you break that down a little bit, obviously we highlight the DC a little bit. So we've got a lot of intellectual property that, around DC-centric types of power control hardware. Uh, we also bring the energy management software, which is the IQ portion. So Decentric is DC, IQ is intelligent distributed en en generation, if you will. And 
Decentric is all around decentralized and Centric is customer focused. So we're checking those four boxes with Decentric. Speaks a lot to what we're doing and bringing to the market these days. Um, and we're, we're excited. Faith gives us a, a lot of, uh, you know, with a, with a billion dollar company, the ability to not only take that shared vision, but then go execute. Now, it makes a lot of sense. And you referred a little bit to utilities and utilities potentially adopting, integrating a lot of the DER stuff. And let's stick a pin in that because I do want to get back to it uh, at the end and look at utilities specifically. But right now, let's look at some macro trends related to the DER markets. Forward looking. So where are we going? You know, what are the challenges if it's economics, scaling, wider spread adoption? You know, what, what do we need to see DER emerge in the way that many of us think it will? Yeah, so you're actually starting to see uh, various uh, renewable portfolio standards evolving to embrace more distributed energy. Um, so it, it typically is it's going to be price and policy are going to drive the adoption of distributed energy. And you know, the price is, is, is coming down to obviously where we can be on par with, with grid services in a number of different scenarios. Resiliency plays a significant role more and more so as the grid infrastructure becomes a bit more antiquated in areas. Uh, large dis- disruptive scenarios such as hurricanes uh, become play more and more of a role. People want that that resiliency. And then from a policy standpoint, who can really own and operate distributed generation? And we're seeing that evolve as some of the conventional utilities uh, maybe establish uh, more of a deregulated aspect of what they're doing so that they can actually own operate and leverage distributed energy to complement uh, the more of the conventional generation, transmission and distribution. Yeah, maybe expand a little bit on the resiliency angle, um, you know, uh, with climate change and, you know, kind of these extreme weather events um, in areas where maybe a little more isolated or less uh, uh, access to traditional power and, and, and transmission Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so in a number of different uh, projects, if you will. So if, if you're a high-rise condo and maybe you're in an island scenario, maybe you're on the island of Oahu. And or tragically, you know, Puerto Rico, for example, which Puerto is the Rico. one that comes to mind I mean, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yep. So you're, you're going to have brownouts. You're going to have outages. You're going to things are things aren't going to go well. You're not going to be able to source your electrons to power whatever it is you're looking to do. So distributed energy has absolutely the ability to when we design these systems provide for that backup power. So whether it's an elevator or cold storage or whatever those critical loads may may be, in addition to or in lieu of the, the traditional diesel generation, we can design systems comprised of solar and batteries to provide that ride through for these critical loads for X period of time, depending on, on what you're looking to accomplish. Yeah. And, and, and I guess adoption on the part of federal government, state government, municipalities, on the basis of resiliency is something that has to be top of mind right now, correct? You would think. Um, actually, what we're seeing right now is, is more of the private sector. You know, the, the, ind- the, the businesses on, on the customer side of the mm-hmm. meter are really wanting to take a little bit more control and be a little bit more responsible for their ongoing operations. But I think to where now we're going, as you see the evolution, is, we, is that portfolio of of energy, if you will, shifts from conventional to, to more renewables, you're seeing states like Illinois. Maybe they've legislated a program by which community solar is coming online yeah. throughout the state, and, and they're doing it in a manner that it's, it's, it's a pretty innovative program, but there's no question that, that that distributed generation is meant to begin to offset 
some of the more conventional coal fire, cold fire and, and nuclear energy that exists today. Yeah. I mean, my personal experience with, um, you know, the resiliency issue is after Hurricane Sandy. Um, so my, my house, I live in northern New Jersey. Our power was knocked out for 10 days and I had the pleasure of living with my in-laws for 10 days, which if they're listening, it was a pleasure, trust me. Um, and if they're not listening, it wasn't such a pleasure. But um, so, of course, after that, I said, I have to invest in a backup generator. And I got one of those that, you know, plugs into our natural gas line. And uh, I was excited that the next hurricane that would hit, you know, my house would light up like a Christmas tree and everybody would be jealous. And of course, it's like taking an umbrella to the city. It never rains when you do so. So I haven't had a chance to use it now in six years. But oh. I am looking forward to the opportunity. So, Well, and I think you, you just articulated a great scenario where, yep, a backup generator is one option. But if you've got a home energy system that's got battery backup, it's not just an insurance policy. It can actively participate and help you from an energy independence Absolutely. perspective. Yeah. And then when you need it for backup, yeah. hey, you've got that too. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, anything distributed energy is going to be at least thought of as a threat to utilities um, and their traditional business model. Uh, in fact, you know, their future was famously referred to a few years ago as a death spiral. And to quote one former president, you know, my question to you is, are rumors of their demise premature or are utilities going to be another case of Schumpeter's Gales, a process of creative destructionism in which economic models and technologies need to be destroyed, actually, to pave the way for innovation and progress? I'm actually hopeful that distributed energy can be complementary to what the utilities are, are, are doing today, actually. It's really just going to need to be an evolutionary, as technology becomes more cost-effective, more bankable, more trusted, if you will. Um, think about this. I mean, a lot of what we're seeing with microgrids today in energy storage, we're, we're talking the last three to five years, some more broader adoption, and it's still a very nascent market. But we are seeing utilities that are owning distributed energy projects today. Um, so we've developed projects that, that are owned by utilities, um, that at least the regulated arm. And I think as time goes by, the technology exists so that you can be of benefit to the off-taker, so the, the customer side of the meter. You can be of benefit to the utility when the utility wants to leverage those assets or those electrons for grid services of any and you can do that in real time. That technology exists today. So it comes back to you asked earlier, what's going to further the adoption and, and hasten the pace of, of which distributed energy is going to be you know, more creating the future of electricity? And a lot of it has to do with who wants to pay for these electrons when? What's that contracting mechanism look like? What does the settlement scenario look like? Because the energy's there. The electrons are there. Who wants to pay for them when? And today, and who's generating them, right? I mean, that, that, that's been the utility, right? So, so, the, so the problem with the model as it exists today is utilities have traditionally made money in two ways, right? So they generate the electricity and sell that and then dis distribution and transmission of it. And their concern is that, um, you know, people will have whether it's community solar, rooftop solar, or any other way to generate uh, energy that they're not doing the generation of. They won't make any money on, but they're still on the hook for all of the transmission uh, and, and the maintenance and upkeep of that. Yes. So, again, how do we get around that, I guess, is the question. Well, and, and if you take a look at uh, distributed energy in general, that transmission and distribution becomes a little bit less important because you're citing these energy generation sources and storage sources closer to the load. Yeah. Now, yeah. you can, I mean, there, there's scenarios where 
you know, we're, we're going to devise systems or engineer systems to be grid tied. And we can design systems to take people completely off, off the grid. You can be grid independent. So it, it's always a question of what are you looking to accomplish and why. Um, but I think to your point, the, the T&D side of the house and what the utilities are, are concerned about in general is they're losing revenue. And, and that, that is a fact in general. But the, I'm also seeing some utilities who want to own these distributed generating assets and more participate in the future of electricity by leveraging renewables more so than conventional. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. So let's shift over to battery technologies. And 10 years ago, we were here talking about batteries, uh, the words pipe dreams, snake oil, in terms of them being big enough uh, and affordable, probably would have been thrown around. And it's a very different reality today, which is a credit to a lot of capital going into this particular industry, great innovators, science, what have you. A microgrid, and what we're talking about today, is only as good as its battery technology. You want to talk about that market a little bit and the economics, technology, innovations there, that yeah. type of stuff? Yeah, so about you, you, met, you put the 10-year mark out there. So about 10 years ago is when I came into the energy sector. Had no experience in energy and actually came in uh, to a, a battery company, a pure play flow battery company at the time. And quickly... So, so you have guts. And yeah, when you hear no, you say <laughs> yes resoundingly. I like that. Well, I, 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 what I quickly learned is kind of the new guy in, into the energy world is that the, there were a lot of, you, you use snake oil. There are a lot of battery vendors out there pitching batteries saying they could do X, Y, and Z. And the fact of the matter is not many batteries have been out doing X, Y, or Z for any period of time. So it was speculation. Fortunately, uh, I was in a scenario where we had some uh, power control capability that was really kept in the background of this, this battery company that was really, from my vantage point, going to be that enabling technology for the future of distributed energy. So we started then moving from being a flow battery company to being a systems level company. That said, I've seen now the evolution of batteries to the point where back then it was, I didn't think there was going to be a clear cut winner. It should be a tool. Uh, that can be utilized as part of the overall uh, package or integrated package of a distributed energy system as appropriate. And you're going to see, obviously, now lithium-ion in the various chemistries of lithium-ion. That That is what almost everyone defaults to today. And we're seeing the price come down. We're seeing lithium-ion lithium used to be just for power applications. There are now really good lithium-ion chemistries for energy applications sure. for longer-term duration or discharge. So if, if, as long as you can leverage you know power and energy as appropriate for what you're looking to do and you can do it with a, a lithium ion type of chemistry that's where most people are today i'm pulling for all the battery companies and new technologies to succeed bring down that cost curve ramp up the efficiency we'll get more systems done but right now it's lithium ion got it okay great so uh well you're putting your money where your mouth is in your in your new role so you know good for you most definitely this is not just speculation no what i do is speculation so no, I, you know, I, <laughs> you're there. You're on the front lines. Been doing it, it 10 years. I, yeah. I actually wish I would have started a couple years ago. Uh, <laughs> there's no question the technology has advanced. It's come down. The right. adoption is happening. Uh, and the markets are becoming more real. It's not us pushing, trying to get a project done. Um, there, there really is. We're, we're going to deliver the least expensive, highest value, most reliable electron every second of every day. That's what our technology can do. And there's value to that in the marketplace today. Oh, no doubt. 
So, Dan, thanks for being a guest on the show. Yeah, I uh, really it. enjoyed the conversation. Uh, again, I've heard great things about you for years, and we've worked together in the past. Yep. Uh, so, really good to catch up. This is what I call the uh, alley-oop portion of the show. If you were a Laker fan in the past, you know, Michael oh, yeah. Cooper to James Worthy type yeah, of uh, portion of the show. So, I'm going to give you a platform uh, to dre- address any issue you want that maybe we didn't cover today. It could be about decentric. It could be about faith, the industry. Faith, not faith in terms of theology, but faith technology. Got it. Yep. Uh, the industry or advice for budding en- energy technology executives or entrepreneurs. And in addition, if you don't mind recommending a couple of books that you've read recently, it could be around the energy industry. It could be anything. Yeah, as long as it's not too tawdry. Yeah, yeah. No worries. Uh, yeah. So, you know, from a platform perspective, you know, I am a huge believer in distributed energy. I think we are, as you know, as you've seen, even SPI, where we are right now, it, now it's called New Energy Week. And I'll, I'll go back to 10 years ago, you know, when, when Solar Power International was was coming into its own and solar power was, was you know, becoming a, a thing, if you will, they really wanted to keep the battery players at bay because the solar folks didn't necessarily want the battery folks. They didn't want, they didn't want the market to think you needed batteries in order for these systems to be of value. Look where we are now. I mean, A, this is an extremely well-attended event. It's evident that storage now today is going to amp the value of solar in a number of scenarios, not always, but in a lot of scenarios. And if it doesn't today, it might tomorrow. So when I take a look at really creating the future of electricity, it's being able to prioritize and optimize any and all generating sources, storage sources, whatever the case may be. And that is where I think the policy needs to evolve to more enable the uptake and and, and, and make this more real. And, and, And we're seeing that happen. So at the state level, at least. Absolutely. And, and when I see companies that are committed to this and, and really wanting, you know, they share the vision, they want to invest in it, they want to build the decentrics of the world to, to go execute and make this real. It, it's, it's an exciting time and I think it's the right time. So that, that's that's kind of what I'll say along those lines. In terms of reads, I'm a, I'm a Wall Street Journal guy. I mean, so the Wall Street, there's not a day that goes by that I don't read something in the Wall Street Journal that is of value. Today, it was specifically around uh, farmers finding value in making their land available to solar developers to, again, more distributed generation. Uh, recent books, uh, read uh, Charles Krautheimer's uh, Things That Matter. Yeah. Uh, love that book. Uh, it's basically a lot of collections of his writings over the years and a lot of good lessons uh, throughout that book. And um, what did I read? Br- brilliant, brilliant uh, man, Charles Krautheimer. I had the pleasure of uh, meeting him a few times, and oh, did you? I don't know if you know, but um, he was paralyzed while he was at Oxford. Yes, uh, you talk about a man who over- overcame a lot of adversity uh, to do what he did. So he's an inspiring personality, and, and obviously a brilliant man. Absolutely. And, and I, until I read that book, I did not realize he was paralyzed. Yeah, right. Because when you'd see him on you TV, never you known. wouldn't know. Yeah, what, yeah, and I did not know. Yeah, uh, and uh, a, a book by Winston Churchill, uh, the life of Winston Churchill. Just you know, a, a guy that you know, from my vantage point, he's. You know, he's prime minister for a while, but he did a lot is kind of behind the scenes, influencing, moving, you know, ensuring, you know, outcomes that, that he thought were best for his country and his countrymen. And that was just an interesting read there. Winston Churchill. Yeah. yeah so actually, it's, it's funny. So you and I seem to be like uh, maybe, you know, spirit brothers here because there, <laughs> there, there are two uh, historical figures that I collect books about. One of them is Churchill. One of them is Abraham Lincoln. So uh, oh, yeah. and I, I don't know if you read. So a new biography just came out on Churchill. I have not. Um, I don't know which one you read, but anyway. Well, anyway, fantastic having you. 
Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we can end this and talk about church all you want. But awesome. I don't think my listeners necessarily want to hear us do that. Um, but anyway, thanks again. And, and thanks again to Radiant Reed uh, for sponsoring, uh, you know, the podcast center here at SPI. And uh, thank you to my listeners for being listeners. And another episode of Raising Your Antenna is in the books. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and look forward to connecting again next week. Raising Your Antenna is a weekly podcast hosted by yours truly, Keith Zakheim, that features the movers and shakers and key influencers of the B2B technology industry. Our guests are leading revolutions and disruptions in the mobility, clean energy, healthcare, and real estate technology industries. Raising Your Antenna is brought to you by Antenna Group, a full-service digital marketing and public relations agency that focuses on the B2B technology industry. Please be in touch with me on Twitter at czakheim with any feedback about this podcast. And check out Antenna Group at www.antennagroup.com if your organization is looking for a really smart and good-looking marketing and public relations partner.